This is your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes jam-packed with up-to-the-minute news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice every weekday. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. I was shocked by the news today. It was as if hell had frozen over. Binkley, did you hear the news? Did it have something to do with impeachment? Bigger than that. Did it have something to do with Willie Nelson? Yes, yes, it had something to do with Willie Nelson. He did the unthinkable. Unthinkable. I don't believe it. After 65 years, the shepherd of marijuana <laughs> has put down the pipe. I just don't he believe says it. He is having lung problems now. He needs to make sure he hasn't been vaping some bad THC. Find out what the problem really is. But he put hey, down the pipe. I don't know if he's using edibles or not, but he's. No I would think smoking. that there are some gummy bears in his future. <laughs> I would think so. I don't know how the journalist didn't say, are you using edibles? How did that not right. come up? But he said he's been having some lung problems, and he talked about how he has destroyed his body his, his <gasps> whole life and how it's led to his breathing problems now. So marijuana has become legal and mainstreamed across the country almost. I know it's not legal everywhere, but it's pretty much mainstreamed. And the icon of smoking marijuana says, you know what? When something's mainstream, I got to stop doing it. And he puts it down. Could be. I would like to know if alcohol was a factor in his general poor health. Or he could be just aging. Yeah, he is like almost 90 or something. He's in his 80s, in 80s. for sure. Yeah. My husband and son went and saw him earlier this year. I got on a plane to see Willie because my husband was like, asked my son, he wanted to go. And he's like, hey, man, you could be the youngest living person. To, you know, like the, the last living Confederate widow. Like he could be the last living Willie witness Yeah, <laughs> hundred years from now. It makes the idea of smoking pot. The, there was a cool factor if Willie Nelson's doing it. It's kind of sad that he's not doing it. I know. It makes him seem older even than... The fact that she, he couldn't read the teleprompter last time I saw him. I but there is, well. there is, yes, of course. So, uh, but unfortunately, I have to say there is impeachment news. And I don't mean unfortunately because I'm invested in it. Regardless of my feelings, I'm just like, my brain is dripping out my ears every time I hear more. But uh, there, there is impeachment news. Nancy Pelosi has requested or commanded or whatever her power is that the house draw up articles of impeachment and i have a couple of comments about that but you heard this i assume basically it's been and i saw pelosi get mad at the reporter who asked about if this was all about hate and she said i'm a catholic how dare you or whatever she said oh did she say that she didn't use those exact wordings that i use but she did say that she her catholic faith and she's offended that someone would say it upsets me I don't care. I, I don't want their religion to involve with the politics, whatever. I don't care. But I really do not like it when Pelosi or Biden invoke their Catholicism in a political format when they are advocates for abortion, for government-funded abortion yeah. internationally. I mean, I, that's just not cool. But, uh, but I, did, I did have an actual substantive comment about the impeachment. I know that's not in vogue, but I just... Oh, I, maybe I'm old. Maybe I'm the one who's old around here. 
So they keep talking about bribery. And the reason that they converted from saying quid pro quo to actually bribery is not just that it's an easier word, but it's actually in the Constitution. But no one is making this point. And, from, and when I, as soon as I realized it, I was like, okay, they're turning the idea of bribery on its head because as an elected official, bribery is a crime. You are not allowed to bribe somebody in a position of power with your own money. That's a crime for you. And it's a crime for them, but it's also a violation of their office for them because they have power, right? Yeah. And they're, they're as far as getting impeached for it, it's that you're selling your, the benefits of your power for personal gain. Trump isn't being accused of selling. He's being accused of buying, which is a crime and it has nothing to do. I mean, yes, maybe it was for him to get reelected, but it's not him using his power. I mean, I guess what they're saying is that that he was using the aid that was already promised to them that Congress could force him to give, but that's not a very credible threat. Why give anything for something that you're entitled to anyway? And that didn't end up happening. So I just feel like the idea of bribery is being turned on its head here, and it does not qualify if they're looking for the constitutional reading of it. You're right. I haven't heard anybody frame it in that way. Just even to have that discussion, because that is what we're talking about. They're saying that the bribery was to bribe Zelensky, and what is the power that that Trump was selling? And I would argue that the power that he was selling is a power he didn't have and did not execute. He didn't get what he wanted and the aid still went over, which means that even if it was an attempt to bribe, it was empty and pointless and nobody. And then there was one other thing that that might include uh, obstruction of justice from the Mueller thing. So, and that's another idea I have a terrible time with because he's being accused of obstructing justice, but justice was served because he was on the side of justice, of true justice, not justice with the capital J, Justice Department justice, but Trump was not suspected of actually colluding. So obstructing justice would mean what? Hurting himself, because justice was served. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, I do. It's like an innocent man resisting arrest. I like. I don't even think that should be a crime. Like, If you're an innocent man, you should resist arrest. But I understand they need things to operate in a certain way, but obstruction of justice is actually, this has been discussed, that obstruction of justice is very hard to make stick when the underlying crime is found to have not occurred. And it's also related to the subpoenas, rejecting the subpoenas, people in his administration. Trump's administration rejected subpoenas. This is obstructing justice. On Mueller or Ukraine? Probably both. Both. But they're filing, I mean, some of these are up for appeal. So, like, you can't, there's a process. So if somebody... You right, subpoena, right. You can challenge it. And you can't just say yes. obstruction of justice immediately. Yes. yes, process goes completely out the window with all of this. So much can be avoided. Obamacare could have been defeated with process. But they that's when you know they don't really mean to, which I, I hate to jump around, but the NATO thing really exposes maybe the value of process, maybe it's not an exact example, but what came out about the NATO meetings in the newspaper today was numerous quotes. There's so much to cover today. I'm not going to super get into it, but it came out like the big news is Trump refuses to show up because Trudeau is a two-face 
there's some like personal shenanigans going on. Did you but, that was that stemmed from? No, but I don't care. It was yeah. stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Who's stupid? Wait, which one is stupid? Trump, is Trump stupid or is Trudeau stupid? Everybody's stupid. I think Trump <laughs> probably meant to, meant to say Trudeau's blackface instead of two-face. Cute. But, yeah. Well, blackface and brownface. There you go. Those are the two faces of Trudeau. <laughs> so, so, but I don't care about that. They were saying, they were what they were saying was, there's all these quotes that behind closed doors, the Wall Street Journal article opened with it, the head of NATO said it, Angela Merkel said it, that there was no sign of conflict behind closed doors. We got so much done, which should terrify anyone. A supranational governmental organization in complete harmony should really scare the pants off of people. And they did come up with, but I encourage people to read that Wall Street Journal article if you can, even if you can just get the first paragraph. Let me get it. It says, uh, in public, NATO leaders traded barbs and griped over differences at a two-day meeting here. In private meetings, they patched up rifts and reached agreements on strategic issues and defensive initiatives. Uh, Stoltenberg, the Secretary General, said, the rhetoric is not always excellent, but substance is perfect. Behind closed doors, this is not a quote. Uh, this is a quote from the article. Behind closed doors at the three-hour meeting, there was little friction, according to officials present. And what they came up with was they were organizing a new group on strategy. It looks like they will and have been increasing defense spending, lives lost on missions. I don't know how that's a goal. And, um, goal. and you know, they're like, they're saying, you know, we demonstrate our commitment through like money, effort, and lives lost. I'm like, you know, you don't have to do that. <laughs> and then the other thing that they are they they emphasized was that they will be ready on all fronts with 30 minutes, 30 days notice. Like they're ready for war. That's a tripwire thing, what you just said. The commitment to lives lost and all those commitments. I'm reading the book. That is based oh, on, that oh really? The emphasis on committing to show the opposition that if they are to take an action, that because of this commitment results in these deaths, then the response from us is going to be, war it's going to be drastic well they said that the focus was russia and yep. germany just i think expelled a couple of diplomats saying they were involved in a in a murder and they're using the reference to that uh scrupole murder from england which or attempted murder i forget if he actually died or not which was totally debunked by anybody who was really paying attention but this nato thing i just emphasize that it is a it is evidence to me of a conspiracy. They are conspiring behind closed doors to get things done on a supranational level, and they, but they're giving a, an, a, a facade of discord. So, yeah. and that's what I think, I think Trump is a master at that. That, when you said that at the beginning, that that is what sums up the divide and conquer strategy that we see all the time in the media, is the left and the right pretending to battle and fight and hate each other causing everybody, the public, to fight amongst each other, not be able to tolerate each other, tolerate any debate. And then behind closed doors, they're shaking hands and patting each other on the back. Absolutely. That is what they're – that's – I mean, I'll never forget that little hidden video I saw of McCain and um, Spike Lee yucking it up like two days or a week after McCain lost to Obama and Spike Lee was such an advocate. But on the impeachment thing, I just wanted to give a little point that – is not always crystal clear. The House votes on whether to impeach, 
but the actual trial goes to the Senate and the Senate has to vote two thirds to remove Trump from office. They have to convict with a two thirds majority, which would mean 67 people. And that would mean that, I mean, there are 60, I think there's only 40 Democrats, right? So it would have to be like almost half or 40% of the Republicans would have to turn. That would be pretty surprising. I look for, obviously Trump's not going to get removed from office, but I look for Kamala Harris to be the star of the Senate impeachment trial. I think the timing is interesting that yesterday she dropped out and the main story being pushed on the left, besides it was racist that she had to drop out, is the retort that she had to Trump's tweet about her dropping out, which was, oh, I'll see you at your hearing, Mr. President. Oh, great. A little, a little threat. Yeah, a little threat. She's going to be there. So she foresaw today, obviously. Well, I did hear them say she should be the VP. She should be in the cabinet, et cetera. So I thought they're, they're teeing it up as just who should be the, the candidate of intersectionality on the VP ticket, which is so demeaning, as Stacey Abrams pointed out originally. Until the top job has to be with a white guy, and then yeah. everybody else has to fight it out for scraps. That, yeah. that is kind of nasty. Yeah. Uh, but I do there, – there was huge new, news or very highly validating news, in my opinion, about coming out of Ukraine – where the impeachment thing, of course, takes the front pages, but Ukraine came out, Zelensky came out. This this headline is shocking to me. I actually transcribed the headline. Ukraine's president holds back on Burisma probe. Huh. Ukraine president holds back on Burisma probe. So they're not probing Burisma. And it said that there was a, a multi-party request that he investigate Burisma that came from Parliament. They want to get into this corruption. And he said, well, now that they're having all this hullabaloo in the U.S. over Burisma, so I don't want to look like I'm Trump's guy or Biden's guy. So I think we ought to hold off on probing Burisma right now because I want bipartisan support in Washington for our, for our, um, for our war with Russia, and I want to make sure I get this international money. And, and But the international money is tied to the unresolved issue of Privat Bank, which is the Kolomoisky thing that went under that the Ukraine had to bail out at like $6 billion, which was IMF money, U.S. money, all that kind of stuff. And around when all this stuff started, this stuff started in like... This The call of Trump and Zelensky was in July, but the Privat Bank unresolved issue that put a stop on IMF aid happened in May or June, which is when, by the way, our aid got put on hold as well. But it's also around the time that Zelensky got elected. A lot of stuff happened then. But IMF can't give money with this big potential liability hanging over because Kolomoisky wants $2 billion for having driven his own bank into the ground and having had it nationalized just to save the Ukrainian system. So Zelensky's Kolomoisky's boy. And it keeps saying over and over again that Burisma is owned by Zlochevsky and that he's the guy who's in exile. Zlochevsky was the guy who they wanted prosecuted, all that. But I had seen 
referenced to, it was not crystal clear, but it just came up in this book I'm reading about Ukraine, this Boyd Barrett book about how Western media distorts the situation in Ukraine. And it says that Kolomoisky, this was a book from 2017, bought completely assumed ownership of Burisma from Zlochevsky. And this was by 2017. So I think it's Zolomoisky who's behind Burisma. I think that's why the parliament wants a probe. And I think that this whole thing, I, as, as I certainly predicted, and I think you were right there with me from the start, that it is highly likely that this whole thing is happening as a way to keep Ukraine from investigating Burisma, which is what Biden was, was supposedly accused of in the first place. And he keeps saying, no, 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 I wanted Burisma to be investigated. What they wanted was Zlochevsky to be investigated. And Zlochevsky is out. He's in exile. Maybe they want to steal his money. Maybe he knows stuff. I don't know. But I think that, that this what we've been cooking up here, Trump, the Democrats, Zelensky, and Kolomoisky has been a way to keep Ukraine from investigating the Bidens and, and the much, much bigger thing, which is ambassadors, our Fed, uh, federal involvement, Soros, Kerry, all of it. And they're getting that. That's what's happening. It looks saying. like everything is starting to work out nicely for Joe Biden. Uh, who came out mouthing off. He's like, I give my tax returns. You're accusing me of corruption. I give my tax. I'm like, oh, really? So like on uh, Jimmy Hoffa's or whatever, like uh, John Gotti's tax returns, he writes, you know, uh, hit expense minus 50K, you know. Uh, you see corruption <laughs> anywhere in my tax returns. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well put. That was what I was... That was what I was trying to express. <sighs> Too funny. Anyway, so that's most of the stuff that made me crazy today. There's more, but I'll give you a chance. Why don't you lighten it up a little bit with a little surveillance state action? I, oh, I never got so to my stuff in, last in, time. In lighter news, U.S. Homeland Security wants to scan your face when you're traveling, when you Leave, when you show up to the airport and when you leave, this is U.S. citizens. It's really already started. My husband said that ex he experienced that. They didn't ask him for his boarding pass, and he that. did not like it. Yeah, they're proposing new regulation to go drop in July, and it would require all travelers to consent to facial scans when they're entering or leaving the U.S., including U.S. citizens. And this regulation would be part of a broader system to track travelers as they enter and exit the United States. They say they're doing it to try and prevent criminals from coming into the country and to be able to track suspected terrorists. Well, the story I was going to tell you the other day is that China, to get new mobile service, they now require facial recognition, which we do this stuff in the back door. We do it like through our so-called private entities. So some at some point, Apple is going to require facial recognition for your phone. I turn it off. But I signed up for it in the store. They had me go through the process. So my face is in there. They don't care if I use it on my phone. I fell for it. Like I fall for everything because you have to be constantly aware instead of mm. conditioned white, which is what I am. But citizens of Denver are trying to ban facial recognition from being used by law enforcement at all levels, by government agencies at all levels. So kudos to them. And if you know anybody in Denver, encourage that. I'm interested to see how that turns out. I agree with you. I think that it's going to continue to be put into 
the technology of private companies. And for us to be able to use that technology, we're going to have to consent to facial recognition. It's going to be the only way. So they're going to obsolete technology to the point of if you want to be a part of what everybody else is using in the future, then you, you got to yeah. use facial technology. And they and you ask like why would private companies do this for any purpose but their own why do they do they not just serve the almighty buck well there are a lot of regulations that affect this stuff and uh, i can tell you about one if you yeah, don't mind so this USMCA, which I alone in the world, I think, are following, <laughs> I mean, I just, it's so important and it's getting no press at all. The sticking point, which I mentioned the other day, but I didn't really understand what it was, is that Pelosi does not want in the USMCA this uh, content liability immunity. So this, is, this has been called a Section 230 of the Decency Act, Communications Decency Act, from the 90s, it says that it's called the 26 words that that started the internet or something. And, and the 26 words are basically the content providers, the uh, servers, services are not responsible for content. So that allowed, the then you didn't have to have that burden of a publisher. So is WordPress the New York Times or is WordPress Kinko's? What is WordPress? And we think it's Kinko's and that's why we get to be there. But she said she doesn't want that really important thing in the treaty because it's pro she didn't say this, but she basically said it. It's probably going away here. So that's censorship. We're going to get this censorship. Now, the Internet service providers are saying they don't want it and all that Internet um, organizations, associations, they're saying they don't want it because then they would have to censor us and monitor us and pull all our stuff down, which they would, they would pull it all. They would err on the side of, if you're liable, you err on the side of not having it. So what's to, so that will, because of the tremendous burden of enforcing that, that would benefit the big tech and keep new upstarts away. And that's important because what happens is, so, well, so this is a way that the private industry would be engaged in what's called prior restraint. But you don't wait for what you say to do something wrong, which is like our common law system and free speech. They're going to say, we're going to take away all the things that you say that might cause harm. But we have mechanisms to deal with harm caused, like we have law enforcement, which monitors these things. And we also have damages, criminal um action, civil action, things that do address and deter and punish crimes or things that cause people damage intentionally. Yeah. Now, they use terrorism and stuff to get us to think it's important to get rid of these this free speech. We can't afford it. and But the effect will be that speech is, that political speech is suppressed. And I'll tell you how we know that that is on their radar, that it's not just an unintended consequence because of what Barr said yesterday or the day before, saying, we don't want you protesting the cops or criticizing the government. If you do, you'll lose services. You people need to start showing some respect. So it's on their radar. They don't like how we mouth off against government agents who we think are out of bounds. So it's on their radar. And Barr is one of the guys who's leading the charge on this kind of censorship and prior restraint and all that, even just from the background check and 
mental health persecution, stuff like that. So this is all of a piece. And, uh, and that's how I say like big tech or big companies will participate in things that our government would not be allowed to do because they get so much from the government. And if they didn't, weren't just incubated by the government like Google, they still get a lot of benefits. Yeah. And like you said, the bigger companies are the ones that can afford to do things like that. They love it and they can pay, they can write the, they, they write this legislation a lot of the time. So they know exactly what they can do and they would much rather, Google has 10,000 censors, they said on YouTube. Who knows if that's true or not? We're still getting, you know, yeah. pony rape, like my little pony stuff is so weird and gross, but they, uh, it's really messed up. They're trying but to censor that on YouTube now. Who else can do it? They are? Yeah. They're trying to censor bronies They're specifically? They're trying to censor content directed at children. But these are like teens and they, they say it's men, grown men who like it. I guess they, that would be a tough argument to make, but it is. It's, it's like furries. Yeah, it's like yeah. furries. <laughs> anyway. be, detection of it is going to be how they interpret it is going to be difficult, I'm sure. Yeah, but I just feel like if, if this requires 10,000 sensors just to, just to get the ball rolling, there's absolutely no way a startup could be held to those kind of regulatory standards. And on the business channels, they talk about it openly, what a boon this kind of thing is to incumbents. Yeah. I've heard many business guys talk about it that way over the years. Well, what you said about Barr and they don't want us bothering the police, a law was just passed in <clears throat> excuse me, Monroe County, New York, that outlaws any behavior that intends to, quote, annoy, alarm, or threaten the personal safety of on-duty officers or other first responders. And one of the sheriffs in the precincts in that county has come out and said that they're not going to enforce this law. I bet there's already a law that covers that. Not as vague in general. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm sure it's got, yeah, I'm sure this is going too far. I'm saying like you really can't do that anyway. Right, exactly, yeah, you can't. You can't, you can't do that. Responder. Exactly. There's already yeah. a law covering that. Yeah. They use as one of the examples for the need of need for the law is an officer getting doused in water by like a protester or something. But that is that's bad. You're not allowed to do that. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what it is, but there is absolutely no chance that you're doing that and getting away with it. Like, there's yeah, at, for like, sure. It's not like that happened. They said there's no law to cover this. <laughs> right. How did that make you feel, officer? Well, it was annoying. Put it in the books. <laughs> need a law to prevent annoying the officers. And some of the first responders and police in this county, they're all for it. They, they say they, we cannot let disrespecting officers continue. And they use See now, disrespect is something different. Like, what, are, is it annoying to say F the police on a sign? That's the problem is it's subjective based on how the officer feels in response. Did it happen to mention any of that? Like if speech was part of it? Did you see anybody say like can't yell or hold up a sign? There's people who they didn't give specifics about that, but they talk about how because it's so vague, because it is subjective that it leaves the door open for anything that the officer feels annoyed by. And they the article says it's going to affect communities of color more. So it, the subjectiveness and the the First Amendment not being able to say stuff is yeah. fear right here. Yeah, and, they, and there is a lot of times when they don't enforce the existing law to make it look like there's a problem. That's a very common thing to do. So you might find yeah. cases like that 
but I'm not buying it. That's not no. Right there's now. no chance. Yeah. There's no. You probably can't throw water on anybody. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> you're battery. right. I, I would think so. Yeah, it touches them. <laughs> I think so. So that's interesting. Um, the there was another thing. Oh, I want to get to an international thing, but didn't you have something about cell phones and cars? Like, how does that? Oh, yes. What was that? If you're in Atlanta. You definitely want to keep your eye on this, and I know other states as well have laws now where you're not allowed to text while driving, which yep. I am not an advocate for. Texting while driving is terribly dangerous, and every time I look over when I am driving in heavy traffic, everyone around me is doing it. So it is very even dangerous. talking on the phone, and possibly even talking hands free on the phone because yes. you're totally distracted. Now you're there's no, you're concentrating. Absolutely, you're it's not cool. The heart of where this story goes to in Australia, they rolled out new technology to capture people who are not captured to catch people using their cell phones while driving, and the technology would they they ran some tests on it. It's artificial intelligence technology, and it caught like a couple hundred thousand people in like a five million person test, which I, which doesn't seem like it's very good technology if it's only capturing that many people, because I'm sure about 4.5 million. million <laughs> they got it wrong while texting. Right. But the article talks about how the need for this has come because of the emergence of all this smart technology and how these studies have shown that even though the cars are quote unquote getting smart, that using these features like changing the temperature or getting driving directions or any of these other smart features has become so complex that our attention yeah. is divided and yeah. we can't focus on anything and that has made it harder to drive. So smart cars have become more com- made, made driving more complex is the argument here. It talked about what distracted driving is, the definition of distracted driving, according to one of their agencies. And a U.S. agency also defines distracted driving and as anything that basically distracts you from focusing on the road. And it said that could include your phone, texting, talking on the phone, even talking to other passengers Mm -hmm. in the car. So if this goes too far, you could – here's what I'm thinking because when people are driving – first question you want to ask is what were you thinking about during that accident well i was thinking about my ex-girlfriend everything she did to me well <laughs> you're under arrest you're not allowed to think about everything your ex-girlfriend has done to you it's distracted driving exactly those are distractions yeah i'm very tuned into this though because i'm looking at i'm facing down teens driving like that's coming in my near future i think uh-huh. and uh and there's a there's a setting on the phone that you can't use the phone while you're driving. Like if you just set that, like I, I somehow have control over my daughter's phone, which is driving her crazy, but I cannot remember the password. <laughs> I can't, I can't remember how to turn it off. So all these settings, I thank God I'm so happy. But anyway, I don't really, I, I, I did try for a while to remember the password. And then I was like, wait a second. The but anyway, if I can, that is that- what? Kids, especially teenagers, oh, are smarter than you are. They're so much smarter. She can't get it open. No, she can't. This one is working. She cannot get it open, and it will mess up. She'll it'll freeze her phone forever. She won't take like one more time. Fix it for her Her brother, boy at school, or her. Oh yeah. Anyway, I I would set that thing where it says you can't drive. I'm actually don't tell her this, but I'm gonna get a stick shift 
so that she really can't. That's a good idea. Although I have to say, I got pretty adept at smoking and drinking and driving a stick shift. I might get you on a list somewhere, though. I could do anything. Oh, I know, because you could actually jumpstart it or pop it or whatever, like get away, even if the grid is down. Uh So I do look for these laws to come to Georgia and the United States pretty soon. Yeah, no, I do too. Or they'll do it through the back door. I mean, once you have a limited number of tech companies and you have complete control, limited number of auto companies, all you have to do is make sure the regulatory regime is such that you have a lot of quid pro quo, which is exactly how it works. And there might be a quid pro quo in this story I read about sending 14,000 more troops to the Middle East. That's on the table minimum from Trump. We just sent 14,000 more troops to the Middle East since May. Can you believe that? I didn't even know that. We have up to 80,000 troops there already. And, uh, and so they're saying it's kind of against Iran, but it's also at the request of Israel. And Netanyahu and Pompeo met in Lisbon, Portugal, yesterday. And I, the first thing I thought, I was like, this Netanyahu is on the ropes in Israel. He was just handed a 70-page indictment for that stuff I talked about last time where he was quid pro quoing yeah. regulations, telecom regulations to a media mogul for in return for good treatment media wise. But he also accepted hundreds of thousands of dollars in champagne and cigars and all this kind of stuff. So, but he's a good friend of Trump. Now this could be a real like quid pro quo. If Trump is sending troops over there because Netanyahu is losing this election, he cannot form a government the guy who came in neck and neck with him also could not form a government. They're going to have the third election in a year because they can't resolve this issue. This guy's under indictment. They could prosecute him while he's running again. He's got 30 days. It's probably 20 days by now to ask for immunity during his, while he's still prime minister. Cause I think he remains prime minister until the next election. But It seems like a lot of this stuff, I mean, I'm just speculating, but I really, it seems like the timing of this stuff from recognizing settlements, which was a campaign promise of Netanyahu and Trump did it, moving the the, um, embassy to Jerusalem, recognizing the Golan Heights, I think. And uh, and now sending all these troops over, I feel like it's, it's Netanyahu saying, look what I can do. You want the American president to work for you, you reelect me. Because Jared Kushner, you know, was their, they're really good family friends. I mean, Netanyahu, like I've read this many times, I, I assume it's true, that Netanyahu literally like slept in Jared's bed, presumably not with Jared in it. I don't think that's in the indictment when Jared was 15 and he came prime up. Minister yeah. has been in my bed. And Jared's father, remember, his father's when he went to jail for- the Israeli prime minister. No, no. I think that's still legal, although he went to jail. Yeah, he was the one who went to jail for trying to blackmail his own sister by having her husband seduced by a prostitute. And he was the law. It was like campaign finance fraud or something. I can't remember the details, but he was Hillary Clinton's number one. You know, but no, Jared Kushner's father was Hillary Clinton's number one donor at one point. Jared Kushner's father. Anyway, so they were all literally in bed with Netanyahu. So if Netanyahu's corrupt and Kushner's father's corrupt, I think there's probably corruption to be found. But I, I this, this is a be- much more serious allegation, in my opinion, than the Zelensky phone call. Much more serious that if 
Trump is sending troops over there to get Netanyahu elected. I mean, that's terrible. I am not taking that suspicion lightly, but I would like somebody to look into it. <laughs> you know, I want to, I want to see some phone call transcripts. You mentioned Hillary Clinton. I will quickly say that Hillary Clinton was on the Howard Stern show yesterday, which is odd and and of itself. And she talked about, amongst other things, how when she was in high school and college, she dated a lot. She dated Greek gods. She men were not her problem. She had a lot, lots and lots and lots and lots of boyfriends. And Howard Stern wanted to know. Actually, Hillary prompted it. She said, "And despite what you may have heard, no girlfriends had a lesbian relationship." Really? Howard Stern said, "You swear you've never had a lesbian." Even with Bill. That's a good point right there. You guys can find your drive time news class every weekday afternoon around 4 p.m. on thepropagandareport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. We will talk to you all tomorrow.